Hey guys, Walrus here. Today's story is actually not mine, but by a Berlin podcast colleague named Joel Dalroy. It's called How to Fuck Up an Airport, uh, and I think you'll enjoy it. I had a chance to interview Joel about the airport, but let's first listen to a bit of the show that aired on Radio Spätkauf. Originally, it's a four-part series, and I highly recommend you give it a listen. Today, we'll only be listening to some snippets of the original show. This is a podcast series about the biggest scandal in Berlin since Michael Jackson dangled a baby out a hotel window. It's represented by three capitalized cherry red sans serif letters. B E R. That's the international airport code for Berlin Brandenburg Airport, nicknamed Willy Brandt. It has also become a signifier of failure, incompetence, corruption and Berlin's general inability to get its shit together. If you've flown to Berlin's Schönefeld Airport in the last few years, you would have seen BER as your plane taxied along the runway. Look out your window and there it is. Lit up, bright as a Christmas tree. A big, beautiful, glass-walled, neo-modernist construction with endless rows of jet bridges ready to suck in passengers and welcome them to the German capital. Only your plane can't dock there. Not now, not in a year, and maybe, according to some skeptics, maybe not ever. Despite outward appearances, BER is far from finished. It's been under construction for 11 years. It's blown through six opening dates, three general managers and two state leaders. Costs have ballooned from around 1 billion to at least 5.4 billion. And every month it remains unfinished, an estimated 40 million is added to the bill. Every Berliner knows the airport is late. Few know exactly why. We're here to explain. I'm Joel Dalroy. I'm Maisie Hitchcock. You'll also be hearing from Jöran Mandik and Daniel Stern as Radio Spätkauf deconstructs the debacle at BER. Okay, so let's take it till about here. We've got this airport in the south of Berlin that is being built. And as long as I've been living in Berlin, I've been reading stories about delays and corruption scandals. And after a while, it became sort of like the running gag of town. Like, oh yeah, this airport will never get finished. It's actually so well known that even people on my tours, people from outside of Germany know about this fantasy airport. Just to give you some facts and figures here, the airport was supposed to be built for a casual billion euros. Uh, We're now looking at a grand total of close to 5.5 billion euros. Also, after the construction began in 2008, the envisioned opening date was 2012. As I am recording this right now, the airport still isn't finished and is looking at a projected opening date of 2020. So eight years after the original envisioned opening date. So seriously, what's up with this thing? Let's talk a little bit about what is going on. I have invited Joel Dolroy to talk a little bit about the airport and the podcast series he made about it. Uh, Joel's a journalist, he works at Deutsche Welle and he creates the Radio Spätkauf podcast. So 
um, we have you here because you made a fantastic series about this airport, the BER uh, series from Radio Spätkauf. You decided to dedicate four episodes to it. Uh, you called it How to Fuck Up an Airport, and we're going to talk about this a little bit today. Could you maybe describe, first of all, uh, how you yourself got interested in the debauchery that this airport had become? Well, I've been observing and you know, talking about the airport for years now. I've lived here for 10 years. Um, and ever since I've been here, there's been this discussion about the airport. And at first it was positive talk. We're building a new airport. It's going to be great. And then it slowly changed over time uh, till it got to what it is now, which is not just a national joke, but an international joke. And one of the reasons we decided to make this spin-off series, How to Fuck Up an Airport, was so that we never have to talk about it again. We decided that um, we were spending so much time uh, every little episode just bringing these drip feeds of information about another problem, another manager getting fired, another couple of billion wasted. And it was seeming, it just seemed like it was this never-ending stream of um, bad news that never accumulated into anything that was sort of understandable. You can never get an overall picture of really what was happening there. So that's what we decided to do was once and for all, just put it all together so that everyone knows what happened and that we never have to say another word about it again. Um, so that's the plan. Let's see if we can stick to that. Well, clearly not, since uh, here you are again, Mr. Dalroy. Now, um, what I didn't know is that the plans for a new airport in Berlin are way, way older than the starting date. Towards the end of the 80s, uh, the sort of the Cold War, Re Reagan, Gorbachev era with the wall still up, uh, they, people were already calling for a new international airport. That's right. And in fact, Walter, if you'd like, I can give you five or six things that you can blame for why the airport is not finished. And number one on that list is Ronald Reagan. Mr. Gorbachev, Open this gate. <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's US President Ronald Reagan in 1987, speaking at the Brandenburger tour. Here's something else he said during that famous speech. To open Berlin still further to all Europe, East and West, let us expand the vital air access to this city, finding ways of making commercial service to Berlin more convenient, more comfortable and more economical. We look to the day when West Berlin can become one of the chief aviation hubs in all Central Europe. One of the chief aviation hubs in all Central Europe. One of the chief Ronald Reagan, who came to Berlin in 1987, I made a big speech, the famous speech where he said, Mr. Gorbachev tear down his wall. Um, and uh, that's, not the reason, that's not the reason he's to blame. I mean, of course, if the wall hadn't come down, we wouldn't have the airport, but that's a bit abstract. So, now, the real reason is because he put it in the minds of the politicians then that Berlin should become an international airport hub. He said something like that he looks forward to the day that Berlin will be the place that we all exchange planes going to and from the world. But as a result of that, we don't really know how influential that was. But that was the first time it was ever mentioned, this idea that Berlin should have an international airport hub. And let's not forget, at the moment, Berlin already has two airports. It's Tegel and Schönefeld. 
They're relatively small airports, uh, doing mostly local flights. If you want to go a bit further internationally, you take a flight from either Frankfurt or Dusseldorf, for example. Reagan made his speech only a couple years before the wall would come down and Berlin would be reunified. In the optimism that would ensue after the fall of the wall, nothing seemed impossible. The idea of BER was founded. Number one was Ronald Reagan. Number two is Brandenburg. That's, that's not a person. That's a, that's a state, that's right, that surrounds, surrounds Ber uh, Berlin. You know it well, you've been out there uh, ruin hunting, haven't you? Absolutely, I, re I, really, I really enjoy Brandenburg actually. It's very nice and green. Well, we can blame at least 63% of all Brandenburgers for why we have now the disaster of Berlin Brandenburg International Airport. But this whole thing is closely connected to Reagan, the Cold War and the whole wall coming down. Before the fall of the wall in 1989, West Berlin and Brandenburg were part of two completely different countries. The state of Brandenburg was in former East Germany, whereas West Berlin, well, that's... Well, it's actually kind of a difficult story, but West Berlin was sort of doing its own thing. There was a plan at the time when this was all in early in the mid 90s. There was a plan that these two states were actually going to merge. Remember that optimism after the fall of the wall. We can do anything. Well, after the reunification of Berlin, politicians were speaking about merging the state of Berlin and the state of Brandenburg. I mean, geographically. It's kind of weird that Brandenburg completely surrounds the city of Berlin, even though Berlin remains its own state. But that's not entirely how the population saw it. On May 5th, 1996, parallel referendums were held in Brandenburg and Berlin to decide whether the two states should merge together. In Berlin, 53% voted yes. Which, to be fair, is not a very broad consensus, though it didn't matter, the people of Brandenburg were not big fans of a merger. 37% in favour, 63% against. The states remained separate. The merger didn't go ahead, and that made it difficult to find a location for the new airport. Berlin can expand only so much, as the lands surrounding it are all Brandenburg. So where to put this thing? The decision was made to build it close to home then right on the border of the city of Berlin. As a result of that decision, an entire village, Diepensee, had to be relocated several kilometres away, minus the lake. More than 2,400 noise-affected residents mounted a legal challenge to the airport construction, which they lost. OK, so let's get on with our list. We have arrived to number three, which is a very well-known Berliner indeed. The person to blame number three on my list is Klaus Wolverite. Mr. Klaus Wolverite. Actually, he probably should be number one, but chronologically, he's number three. Klaus Wolverite uh, was the mayor of Berlin for many years. He was elected in 2001, um, and he, he was the, 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 the ruler of Berlin. I th was it until 2015? 15. Yeah. Uh, very charismatic guy. Everybody liked him. He was the, um, the, the face of Berlin for the world for many years. In that real period where everyone, the city's image started to change internationally, everyone started realizing Berlin was a happening place and he was the poster boy of Berlin. So everyone really liked him and um, he was a bit of a charmer and um, the, the only problem was he wasn't particularly a very good manager. During the time he is mayor of Berlin, from 2001 till 2014, 
Wolverite leads a massive austerity program, trying to save the city some money. He's the one with the famous quote, Berlin is poor, but sexy. Now, Wolverite also becomes the chairman of the supervisory board of the airport, BER. And as the chairman, he feels money should not be squandered on construction of the airport either. But when he came to power, he was trying to save money. The city was broke and he thought he could save a couple of million euros by doing it within in-house instead of getting it you know outsourced there had already been a number of contractors who'd said they'd built the airport for around a billion euros the mayor was like nah so the contractors and their billion euro price tag were shown the illuminated path to the exit and instead of hiring one single builder to do the whole job the fbb decided to try and save 400 million euro by breaking the project into tiny pieces now let's for a second appreciate the initial figure that wolverite and his team were aiming for an airport on the border of berlin for a price tag of 600 million euros hey that's not nothing it's a hefty sum of money but an investment in a prosperous future of berlin Today, the price, Walter, do you know the price? I, I know, I've listened to the show. I've listened to the show. I think it's around five and a half billion. Actually, it was five and a half billion when we started the show. When we started this conversation. <laughs> yes, the price keeps going up. We started our, our, our series, it was five and a half billion. In the period in which we recorded it, they re-estimated the costs. It's now over seven billion. So they could have had it built for a billion. It's seven times as much as that original price. And Klaus Wolverite has to answer for that because he's the guy who said, no, we're not going to do it the private way. We'll do it our own way. The former mayor of Berlin also personally meddled with how the airport should be built. He wanted the airport to increase in size. So halfway through building, he put in requests for the capacity to change, for the floor plan to change. It's pretty hard to change a building once you've actually started pouring the concrete, but that's exactly what they tried to do. And that was one of the biggest problems that they've had in this whole issue is that you can't change plans on the fly. And that brings us to number four of the people that fucked up the airport. Uh, number four would be the architect of the building itself. Meinhard von Gerken. That little squeal I did there was one of genuine surprise. How is he to blame for the failures of BER? Uh, he's quite a well-known architect in Berlin. He designed a lot of things in the city. Uh, Tegel Airport, most relevantly. It's arguable that Meinhard von Gerken is the city's most influential architect since Friedrich Schinkel. Gerken and his office, called GMP, were responsible for... Tempodrome Concert Hall. It looks like a white circus tent made out of concrete. Hauptbahnhof. A glass and steel beer moth with a huge curved glass roof and several layers of platform going deep underground. The Olympia Stadion expansion. Uh, new roof and extra seats. And most importantly, Berlin Tegel Airport. Or TXL, nickname Otto Lilienthal, the hexagonal inner city airport. Meinhard von Gerken was commissioned to design Tegel in 1965, aged just 30. Since then, his company has completed more than 300 construction projects worldwide, including skyscrapers, opera houses, railway stations, stadia, and even designed whole cities in China. Now, you would expect this gentleman and his firm to be able to tackle another one of these projects. Then, what went wrong here? When he built Tegel Airport, 
the thing that everyone loves about it is you can get to your gate quickly. You get off the bus, you walk a few steps, you you check in and you're on the plane. And that was purposely done. He wanted it to be a painless experience. And it's true. I mean, you could say about Tega what you want. It's tiny. It doesn't look very pretty. But the moment you step off the bus, you know you're only five minutes away from your gate. Now, unfortunately, airport economics has changed a lot since then, which is why every time you go to an airport now, you've got to walk through about a kilometer of shops before you get to your gate. That's because they need all that money to be able to pay for the cost of the construction of the airport. And um, uh, with BER, Meinhofer Gurken try to do the same trick again, you know, a minimal distance from, from check-in to gate, minimal interruption of, of, of shops. In fact, he hates shops. He wrote a whole book about the way he designed it and he just he, gets, he rages against the mollification of, of, of airports. Unlike every other airport in the world, Gurkhan's BER would have as few shops as possible. This critical design and economic decision incredibly seems to have gone unnoticed by the airport managers until construction was already underway. And their desperate attempts to shove hundreds of shops into the terminal post-construction created a mess which is still being cleaned up today. On one level, I really respect that. I, I like me, me too, man. I, when I when I heard that in your episode, I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. I didn't even know that was possible to create an airport that didn't have any malls in it anymore. You know, that you could actually just go through security and then get to your plane. Think about that. That would be amazing. It would be. And that's a wonderful thing to aim for. But the economics of building an airport and trying to do it cheaply too, like the city government was trying to do, dictate that you need to have shops to pay the bills. And uh, without them, it's going to cost uh, way more. Now, unfortunately, nobody seemed to realize that he had this idealistic vision when he finished his plans. And it was only halfway along that someone noticed. And then they had to try and squeeze back in hundreds of shops. And um, in, in the design that he already had laid out. Right. Yeah. They, in fact, had to put a whole extra floor in, like a mezzanine floor between two existing floors to make some extra space for shops. So his utopian vision for airports is the reason he ended up on your most wanted list? He shouldn't have been so idealistic, perhaps. Uh, or maybe he should have at least told them, hey, guys, by the way, <laughs> we're creating a new world out here. No shops, no money. If we step back a bit, it becomes difficult to see how so much could go wrong. I mean, I personally have no idea how one builds an airport. I mean, what kind of technological, financial or political requirements there are to build one of the largest structures we can think of. The financial figures, the years it requires to build such a structure, it can all become rather abstract, quite fast. What I do know is that airports have been built before. One of these airports has even been built by a company that also offered to build BER. Um, one of the companies who offered to build it for a billion, by the way, built another airport in Athens at the same time, within four years, for the same price. So it could have been done, but they didn't do it. So the question remains, why didn't it work in Berlin? But let's just go to the last one, the thing that I think is to blame, and that is Berlin. Berlin is to blame for the fuck up at the airport because nobody paid attention um, when it was ongoing. Journalists didn't look into it. They didn't write about it. They just wrote these positive puff pieces about how great everything was. Um, 
I don't think anyone ever went out there and did any kind of investigative journalism. I mean, me included, but definitely none of the local papers or, or journalists. Um, it was treated as a as just everyone just expected it would just go as planned. And for that reason, nobody checked the books. The politicians didn't pay any attention to what was going on. And it became uh, this perfect place where corruption could could flourish. And there was corruption going on there. There were managers taking money. There were people taking bribes. There were workers stealing copper. There was just uh, it was just a, a mess of of um, of unobserved corruption and thievery. And Berlin didn't blink. Berlin didn't pay any attention. We were in that party phase of you know we're we're, we're the city that's cool and it's all going to happen here. And there, there was a tech bubble and stuff was going on and nothing could go wrong. And I heard uh, Macy say something about BER as the prime example of Berlin not being able to get its shit together. Do you think that's true? I think it is. The city just, just can't seem to grow up. You know, we, we're, we're all still, you know, in our 40s and 50s and going to nightclubs. And, you know, like, so this, this airport really is just an example of what, what happens when you don't, you know, you know, get a proper job and do what mom and dad said you should have done. <laughs> you know, like, so, uh, we, the, the, the politicians, the public, um, the journalists, nobody looked, nobody blinked. And that's exactly why we have this mess on our hands now. And it doesn't seem like we're, or the city is in any way, it doesn't seem to care either. I mean, we, we, there's no consequence for the city. We, we can all still take planes. It's a little bit annoying. It costs more. But you know who's paying that bill? The European Union is actually one of the, one of the entities that's putting a lot of money into it. So the rest of Europe is bailing out. BER through the European Union through well one of the one of the funds of the European Union. Can I can I can I get a bit serious here for a second because I mean uh, I think for my entire length of learning about BER and talking to people about BER and people making jokes about it on the tours you know when I have them about BER even our conversation here you know it's very funny it's like how to fuck up an airport fuck up number thirty seven you know it's like. There is, there is a lot of laughter about that and people talk about it that way. But uh, in fact, it's actually a really sad situation. I mean, we're talking here about billions of euros that are basically thrown away to an airport that some people actually say will never be finished, better tear it down and start all over again. That's literally been said right now. It's actually really sad, you know, so much money that could be spent on other things that we can maybe develop the city with, with on. So how, how, does, how do do things relate to each other? The joke and the sort of incredibly sad situation. Yeah, it's, well, at least six billion wasted because one billion was the price that it could have been built for. And I don't know, my personal relation to money these days is these numbers get so big that I can't even get my head around them. And I can't equate them, but that's, that's a lot of social houses. That's a lot of schools. That's, yeah, I'm sure that Greece could use that money to help its economy. Um, you know, I'm sure we could help a lot of refugees with that kind of money. Um, everybody has tried everything to get that thing fixed. Um, Angela Merkel thought she had a solution at one point. You know, this was a few, you know, this like five, six years ago, Angela Merkel just had enough and she parachuted in a manager of her choice who was going to get the job done. He failed. Uh, the, the, another manager was parachuting enough. Him. He's gone. And now we've got a, we're up to our fourth manager. Everybody's come in with this uh, this idea that they're going to be the one who's going to save the airport, and it's just so convoluted. It's got so much 
history like built into the walls of the place you know the copper the wiring has is is so dense with history that they can't untangle it all you know so no one person's ever gonna be able to unpick the whole thing and um i i don't think they're gonna tear it down it it's too complex for that they spent too much on, on it already it there probably would have been a point where it made sense to tear it down but it's it would be on way beyond that now i think they're just gonna have to keep going till it's done and um you know hopefully one day we can all look back and laugh well we're already laughing now but hopefully one day Hopefully one day we can take a plane from the bloody airport. If you go to Wikipedia now and type in BER airport, it says that the opening date is 2020 or later, which I think is the general attitude now about the whole thing. People are getting a bit tired of the whole ordeal. And since it's not directly in our face, but somewhere on the edge of town, and as long as these huge sums of money just seems to be made up, nobody's likely going to bat an eye anytime soon. Is there anything we can do in the meantime? Well, you're a tour guide. I, I hope your uh, listeners also know that you can actually go and take a tour there. So that's the one thing that you can do with BER, is you can go and have a look at it. They have public tours and, I mean, if you're curious, just go out and see what's actually going on up there. Yeah, so if you haven't done it yet, uh, type it in on Google and you'll see it lying on the southeast corner of Berlin. Uh, this is it for now. I highly encourage everyone to listen to the full four-part series about the airport. It's called How to Fuck Up an Airport. You'll find the link in the description below. The series is created by Joel Dolroy and presented by Joel, Macy Hitchcock, Joran Mandik and Daniel Stern. Music was by Mark Schilders and Denis Wouters. This was Berlinology. Have a look at the website berlinology.org to find all other episodes. Catch you on the flip side.